Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> it lives. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, 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 welcome. Guys, it wouldn't be a day of exciting, exciting fun, exhilarating fun, if there wasn't some tech bullshit. In this case, a router, it sounds like. I stayed up all night building a new computer and then got up early this morning, got everything wired up, installed, everything looking good. CPU usage down 75%. That's a lot. But, uh, you know, everything looked great until that moment I hit go live. <laughs> and nothing and happened. And it said, cannot connect to server. Well, that's weird. So the first thing I do is start thinking, well, what did I mess up in the build? No, firewalls aren't turned on, IP address and everything's set correctly. What's going on? Open up OBS. Well, first I think maybe it's the Twitch servers. Open up OBS. OBS also won't connect. Crap, is our account banned? I can't even get ingest servers. But Lucas was streaming earlier. But then Lucas was streaming. Check my router settings again to double check. Yeah, port forwarding's turned on. IP's all good. And then uh, start running some internal tests. No, everything looks good there. Shouldn't be any issues. We're connecting to other video services just fine. Not sure what's going on. Last resort, reset router to default settings and then go back through and manually input every single setting. I don't know if you guys do this, but luckily I'm one of those people that anytime I'm adjusting something, I take screenshots of everything. Mm -hmm. So I have folders set up where I can go back through and be like, okay, this is exactly how these things have to be set and this is how these things have to be set. So revert router to factory settings, go back through and put all of my you know, static IP, static DNS server, get all the settings set up. And, uh, and then it worked. So... Apparently, even though port forwarding was turned on, my guess is for some reason it just wasn't working. And I even tried turning off port forwarding and then reassigning it, but it very clearly just wasn't working. But re reverting the router to factory settings and then inputting it again allowed signals to go through. So it had nothing to do with the new computer. Absolutely nothing. It was a random router issue that had nothing to do with the new computer. And I also fell off of an Apple box and dislocated my knee. So that's my morning. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> because I stood on an Apple box to get to the router. And then we started hosting someone. And I turned to get off the Apple box and just fell right off of it. So it's a day already. It's a day. But we have Matt here. Hey, everybody. <laughs> that's Sorry, Gomez man. Adams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Malika. Um, so this is new, you know, <laughs> not as exciting of a day as Zach's having, but, uh, that's what I got going on. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. It's good to be back, man. How, uh, Oh, what are you doing? Like, uh, well, I guess we'll just do this show and then I wanted, yeah, to sync up with all the updates in your life. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for updating me about the broken knee. Very concerned. 
Um, it's not I'm broken. It just dislocated. It's a big difference. I can I pop That's them true. back in. In some ways, your condition is a blessing because it's like <laughs> I'll just stick it back in. No, it's true. My condition is a blessing. <laughs> I almost never break anything. Yeah. My body just dislocates and stretches instead of things so breaking. It's incredibly painful. Yes. <laughs> um, but you don't break anything. I don't break anything. You know, this you're, is true. Like a superpower. Yep. Um, High pain tolerance. Only, like, right yeah. I just want to know when I should be ready for upstairs. Let's, uh, I mean, let's, let's do this show. I mean, it's, you're, you're cooking, uh, barbecue grilled chicken, right? So can we How just, much time do you need? Do you need, can you do your whole thing in an hour? Yes. I can also do it in like. How about you do it two hours? Because I think we only need an hour to play this game. And I still need a two hour break to ice my knee and get things ready and make sure everything works. Okay. So you'll just do three to five and then we'll three do five to, five to six on okay, the board that's game. good. Because I'm, you know, I have to see. I love you. Okay. Nice to see you, Matt. What was that? <laughs> Welcome to the most awkward start of a hypercast yet. Oh my this God. is all going on the YouTube upload, right? Oh, we already ha- we already have a hard time convincing YouTube viewers that our content's worth their time. So uh, they're they're gonna love all of that. They're gonna love every bit of that. Even keeping Matt on screen while he's checking stuff in the background. Did my roses? Yeah, you're on, come you're in. on screen the whole time, Matt. You're not. We're not cutting back and forth. You. You're just on screen. <laughs> Pick your nose. So I was wondering if it was on my end or your end. Yeah, so I was you like, yeah. Crank up Matt's volume. I can, I can turn Matt up. He was loud when I checked earlier, but now he's low. So. I'll just, just, yeah. just eat your fucking microphone, Matt. I'll, I'll get real close to it. Nope, like that, that just peaks it. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go yeah, turn yeah. it up. So how you doing, man? <laughs> How's uh? What, when when was the last time we had you on? Was it like two weeks ago? Like a week and a half ago. A week I and a half ago. We, we played uh, that real vicious Disney Disney. Like, oh tribute. yeah, that was bullshit. Can I, I? I think that if I think for I think that game I think it just needs to be Disney Pixar because when you add everything else, Disney owns like everything. It's pretty cray cray. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, no. We was, got cutthroat. Who was I? Who was I that day, dude? Fuck if I know, man. I've never seen that map before. He definitely didn't have that mustache. <laughs> that's for sure, too. Yeah, dude. I think he had the mustache and a goatee, like super evil. Yeah, you know? man. You turned into super villain. Well, and Emily, Emily was—I've never seen her that competitive. Oh, I know. I told her I was like, "That's the last time I'm playing anything with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm done." <laughs> that was that was a uh, that was too much. But uh, that was fun though. What I. How, <laughs> This is a kind of a silly question to ask sometimes because I feel like this is every day. But like, what what was your weekend like? Oh, um, yeah, man. So you know, Katie, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but Katie's been been working still. She's uh she's been like volunteering, um, or uh, you know, because um, she was a substitute teacher while acting at the same time. So that was like her other job. So she's actually like handing out food to like children and families who kind of depended on. Um, you know, those school lunches to feed their kids. So mm. she was like handing out food. So like the weekend, uh, we were actually able to spend time together, which was really nice. Like nice. we spent time in the daytime together, but she was so tired. Um, so we actually got to have like a morning um, and we just kind of like went, we went on a lot of walks just around our neighborhood, just walking in circles to feel like our legs are doing something, you know? Yeah, man. Um, I hear that. And then, yeah, we did that. We cooked and watched a lot of 30 Rock. And played Animal Crossing, and she played The Sims. Oh and that was God. basically Saturday, Sunday. Oh, my God. Right on, man. Yeah. 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 
Zach, you well, okay? she's, a, she's a trooper. You're going to have to lead this one. I'm just going to react. <laughs> I'm not. Zach's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, also, for everybody watching, we do have three new movies that we're going to be doing. Uh, picking. T- you have the option of picking uh, for next Tuesday. We've I, got, I, I did not load them into fine, the board. It's fine. We've got <laughs> Dogtooth from Yorgos Lanthimos, Hidden Fortress from Akira Kurosawa, and Eight and a Half from Federico Fellini. I... So, uh, I really want to see Dogtooth. I've seen Eight and a Half and Hidden Fortress. I watched the trailer to Dogtooth this morning, mm-hmm. and I was like, holy fuck, I want to watch this movie. <laughs> this looks great. Matt, do you have the Criterion channel? I, I do. I should get it. Uh, I don't have it, though. Yeah, they're offering they're offering a two-week trial now, so Zach and I decided that we're going to do Criterion Week with the audience. Uh, Technically, it starts tomorrow for Twin Peaks Firewalk. That's with true. Me. That's true. It'll be a nice little like little preview of uh, of Criterion, but it was pretty nuts. I went on their website this morning to look and see, like, okay, just want to double check and make sure these three movies are actually on there because they yeah. rotate. They rotate their list of movies, um, and dude, they have like over two thousand films on yeah. there to stream. And and wow. for those that uh, this week we put the trailers for or today I put the trailers on the one shot store mm-hmm. in the description so you can check out the trailers. Uh, and I realized after I posted it that eight and a half is only in Italian and there was no subtitles on the trailer. And I was like, I'm cool with it. Deal with it. Figure it out. Uh, Wait, the Criterion version, but the streaming wise. No, no, no. The trailer. The trailer. Okay, the trailer okay. didn't have subtitles. Gotcha, 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 uh, gotcha, gotcha. But eight and a half is, I think, one of the best movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's just like the height of European, like postmodern yeah. stuff. It's it's so good, yeah. and you can't go wrong with any of these choices. Um, yeah. I like Hidden Fortress a lot, but last mm-hmm. time I watched it, I was pretty bored. Really, which is kind of how I feel with a lot of Kurosawa movies. Like they're really good. Yeah, they're so good, but they're very like slow burn, just a different kind of pacing. Mm-hmm. And um, eight and a half. You usually when I watch that, the whole time I'm just like. The yeah. art of cinema. <laughs> uh, I was I was kind of going back and forth between uh, Hidden Fortress and um, um, oh my god, what's the other fucking famous one that he did? I mean, a lot every, of them. Every every one yeah, of them. All of um, them. Um, fuck, it's four hours long. Why am I not remembering the name of this movie right now? Oh my god, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I Have was, you seen either of them? I've seen I've seen Seven Samurai, but I have not seen Hidden Fortress. Mm. You you would probably like Seven Samurai better. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just remember that movie. I mean, it's like I think it's like three hours and twenty something minutes. So I was like, I don't know if I want to do a three hour movie. And I was like, well, I haven't seen Hidden Fortress, so I was like, I'll I'll do something mm-hmm. new that I haven't seen in a while, or I haven't seen at all. Uh, I also haven't seen Dogtooth. Eight and a Half is the only one that I've seen, but it's been a really long time since I've seen it, and I have it on Criterion, but. I think I got it as a gift from somebody, and I still have not like rewatched it recently. Yeah. So I'm like a little. I'm a little. Uh, I don't know. It's not fresh in my mind. So Dogtooth like, looks right. wild. Yeah. And it, it, it looks like one of those things, just like Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. Our audience is going to learn more about us. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, have you seen uh, the Lobster or Killing of a Sacred Deer or the Favorite? Um, I I've only seen trailers for all those. Oh, I never saw them. Dude. Wait, is Dogtooth the same director? Yorgos Lanthimos. I had no idea. Now I really want to yeah, see dude. it. Chat. <laughs> Chat. He's got he's got three movies on Criterion right Holy now. Holy shit. Yeah, so they have like a curated playlist and it's like the I think it's called like the Yorgos Lanthimos three three pick or something. So yeah, and it's like, okay, Dogtooth, a lot of people have talked about it, so I want to watch Holy I crap. make this an option. Yeah, dude. Oh, every one of his movies just makes me feel real oh weird. Oh my god. That's yeah. awesome. Weird. 
Yeah, yeah. Super. So, are you guys feeling like you're getting through a lot of good stuff, or are you watching bad stuff too? A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Honestly, we're not really giving people the option for bad stuff. Yeah, we Kat's, joked about it once, yeah. and that was it. Cats is like the worst of the worst. Oh yes. Oh far. man. Speaking of cats, should we actually talk about a topic? Oh my god. Uh, is anybody interested in watching the butthole cut of cats? Nope. <laughs> Definitely I, not. I love I love this uh, headline for this article. Edi- editing the buttholes out of cats was a total nightmare for VFX crew. And I, I know that there was like a Twitter thread about this whole thing, I think like two weeks ago. And I don't know if it's the same person who contributed to this article, but there was a VFX artist who had talked about just how ridiculous the movie was in the process of making the movie and how there genuinely is a butthole version of Cats. Yep, this was sent to us on Twitter. So if you guys have stuff that you want to talk about, feel free to tag us. Uh, somebody yeah. tagged us in this article. And even though it's like, I don't really care to know anything about cats, I thought the article was interesting, mm-hmm. e- despite it's being very sensationalized. Uh, just to kind of hear from a VFX artist that worked on the movie yeah. and yeah. how awful the conditions were. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think they said they had six and a half months to make mm-hmm. a trailer and then four months to make the entire film. Yeah. And, uh,. Just totally backwards, everything about it, and how the director just didn't know how to work with animated, yeah, kind of uh, a feature that was primarily animation. Yeah, and this is Tom Hooper, somebody who's done movies like Les Mis that definitely King Speech, yeah, that definitely have visual effects in them. But when you're dealing, it's a one thing to replace a background; it's a whole other thing to actually like motion capture a performer and then yeah. reskin them as another character. To which I also think that this movie didn't use the traditional motion capture like suits and tech. I think yeah. they just had markers on the actors in select places and the rest of it all had to be hand done, which fuck you. Like Yeah. And here's the thing, that dude, like terrible. There there might be a butthole version, but you still are just watching cats. Yeah. yeah. Like there's yeah. there's no version of this where you're like, "Oh, this is now enjoyably well, I think, dumb." I think even the person they were interviewing wasn't so much trying to say like hey there's a butthole cut it's more like it was an example of just how little oversight and professionalism went into making this movie yeah that at one point in the process somebody watching cuts went oh shit why do we see buttholes yeah and then they had to go in and remove them all because there was so little communication on what needed to be done that they got far enough in the process that the cats were made with buttholes (laughs) without somebody coming in and saying like hey don't do that there's literally a quote in this article that says when we were looking at the playbacks we were like what the hell you guys see that we paused it (laughs) we went to call our supervisor and we're like there's a fucking asshole in there there's buttholes (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't prominent but you saw it you're like, oh my god! And somebody in the chat said, "Who okayed that design to begin with?" And I think this is the most unrealist. Like the part that blows my mind is the person kind of says in the article, um, "Proper steps weren't being made to make those decisions," yeah. and because of yeah. their timeline, people were just pushing forward, and the director wasn't even watching dailies, mm-hmm. so it was creating all these messed up problems where they'd get way too far into the process, and the director wouldn't be able to tell them exactly what they wanted, yeah. and they just didn't have enough time. They were putting 80-hour work weeks in. People were sleeping under their desks, yep. and then the studio fired everyone and closed down after the movie came out, yep. so for anyone who makes fun of the VFX looking bad... Make sure you direct that attention towards the director yeah. and producers of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The VFX artists have worked on amazing films, and bad leadership can ruin good artists. I mean, sure. and that studio's gone, right? Yeah. There's no longer. Yeah. yeah. That and, VFX house is gone. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I've never worked. 
I've never done visual effects to this sort of extreme. All the stuff that I did was mostly comp work. So you're taking different elements and you're putting them together. But these people had to actually go through and like make all this stuff. And just from us watching the movie, you could tell that there's no clear direction as to like even how to scale these characters properly. Because in yeah. one scene, you'd watch them and they would look human size. Another scene, they would look miniature. And they would just constantly shift somewhere in between back and forth. And you're like, how... How did how did a director not sit down and really think this through of like, how big do I want these characters to be? What does the outside world look like to them? When you're a visual effects artist and you're not getting any direction and there's potentially like two to three hundred of them working on this movie, how in the f- flying fuck can you have any consistency? Of course things are going to be all over the place when it comes to scale. Of course there's going to be like, there's going to be no consistency throughout this movie at all. So I think it, it like, as funny as this kind of article can be and the concept and the idea of it it really goes to show how you just have to like a good director knows exactly what they want and they have to be able to translate that to not only not only their producer but their visual effects supervisors and their special effects supervisors and then those people have to be able to like you know give out all that information to entire teams of people which uh which which house was this or which uh production company was this under this who, is who, universal this was universal that's yeah. crazy because i would imagine that would have to go through like a bunch of you know execs and stuff like that so, you what, would you would think so happened? right i don't know yeah. man i mean you would you would assume that universal someone there would be like what the fuck is this and that's it's so it's weird. and it's super disheartening to read this article and to hear how toby hooper you know referred to the artist and was just very demoralizing and there's there's literally nothing fucking possibly worse than to spend you know however much time you have on a movie for the director to then come back and be like this looks terrible this looks terrible this is the worst da, 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 da. like i've been in those situations where we've had and not even necessarily directors like i i personally never encountered a director who complained uh and like put blame on the artists sometimes they would on supervisors or other producers for not clearly uh, explaining kind of like what their objectives were but uh you know we've definitely been in, i've definitely worked with people who would just walk up and critique your work and just completely tear it apart and you're like okay if you have notes that's one thing like constructive notes are one thing but to just completely demoralize someone because you lack the ability to give good direction like that's on you yeah. that's not on anybody else yeah so 100%. i don't know it's a it was a it's a very frustrating movie to watch as a visual effects artist oh, but as a viewer it, as a it's viewer just it's as equally fucking frustrating, frustrating. just yeah. to see Dude. you know i i, I can't that was my big, biggest complaint with the movie is just how hurt I felt yeah. and how hard it is to make a movie. Yeah. And somebody just greenlit this and pushed it through all the way. And somebody was trying to compare it in the chat to be like, oh, but you like the room. And I'm like, that's different to me. Yeah. Because a guy somehow came up with all this money mm-hmm. and made a movie and everyone told him it was going to be a failure and he made his money back. And it was a failure. Yeah. And he wasn't a good person. Yeah. But there's a there's a story there that is ultimately also about like you can do it mm-hmm. if you if you just ignore and you just push forward. Whereas this is one of those instances of like oh somebody with money and a big studio just keeps okay 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 and and there's so many good things that never get made. Yeah. And and somebody pushed this through all the way to the end. Yeah. And it's I don't think so disheartening. I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised that the concept of adapting cats the musical into a movie that doesn't seem too far-fetched for me you know but like you know seeing the additional 
storyboards for this were like this loose weird story arc with McCavity and like just you know everything else like having it greenlit makes sense to me but the, the execution of it and the the all the you know approvals that went through with it that's where i get like how did this happen um because i think it makes sense to to adapt cats yeah it's a it's, a, it's an award-winning uh, t- a tony does winning it Broadway musical. does it though? i think so how because i mean apparently emily was telling us that that there's no plot in the musical either no it's like fantasia like fantasia doesn't have a plot it's just ballet set with with uh dance numbers and music you know what i mean it's just like that's what cats is it's it's poems set to music and dance um if you wanted to make that that would i think that would have been better than what but even then like i i'm a big believer in some things are better within the art forms that they're created in yeah. just like certain comic books i never want to be seen yeah. made into a movie because mm-hmm. they're like like Silver Surfer Black, for example. Oh my God! I never want to oh, see yeah. that made as a movie or even attempted It'll to because that is a great example of somebody taking the medium of a comic book and ultimately using it to the best possible way, where every panel and frame and mm-hmm. word is like playing off the medium it's created for. And if Cats is made specifically to be this Broadway experience that's built around that, yeah. maybe it shouldn't be made into a movie. Well, I mean, and that's... I can see that. Like, like I, I can totally understand yeah. that perspective because you know, the, there's a the whole thing that anything can be staged, like on, in theater, you can literally stage anything. Um, that when you go into a theater, you're kind of accepting the reality that you're in. Um, so I, 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 I can see where you're coming from with that. For I mean, sure. like uh, Hamilton, for example, right? So Lin Manuel talked about that they have a movie. And at first I was like, wow, we're just going to take this musical and just remake it into a movie? They actually ended up shooting one of their performances live with the original cast, and yeah. that is being like made into a movie. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, um, but you know, it's going gonna- it's, it's gonna to be – it's different than Cats. It's different than you know, Cats having 100 – I don't know how much money it had, X amount of millions of dollars from Universal to like go make a movie. This is literally them recording a stage performance of Hamilton – and like recutting it to make sense in the theatrical form, which I, like, what I really different. like. I and I I actually like that. You know, like if you're going to do cast, like I guess they they did that in the '90s. They mm-hmm. literally put it on a VHS. They recorded the original Broadway cast doing yeah. it, or the '90s Broadway cast. Excuse me. Um, and what's cool about that to me is that you know theater I think is supposed to be kind of for everyone, but it's kind of catered to like you know the middle to upper class. Oh so yeah. People, which is such a, a bummer, especially for a musical like Hamilton. So I really appreciate it giving an outlet where like everyone can kind of see oh, and for experience. Sure. You know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's, I think that is, if you're going to do something like that, I mean, there's so many operas and things like that that get projected to movie theaters from all around, like from New York and like the Met, they do that stuff all the time too. So it's like, yeah. that's, that's a little bit of a different experience, but yeah, I mean, to just, be like, hey, we're gonna make a hundred million dollar cats movie. You're like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah, I mean that movie was fucking atrocious. It's oh yeah. Look, look. I, all jokes aside, it's a god awful movie. Like uh, I watched it, and I, I I say I had a good time, but it was only because not it wasn't. It was like the people in this theater that I was with was so rowdy. Yeah, that was like the entertaining part was pe- being in this theater where we're all reacting the same to this thing. Um, I'm so glad Zach. Cats, and I didn't it's not sit good. That movie in the theater. I was. I'm exhausted. I was exhausted watching it. I turned to Katie. I'm like, <laughs> I I'm so tired. I honestly would have walked out yeah. if I was in the theater. I, <laughs> I would have seen Zach leave, and I've been like, yes, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I would have walked out. Yeah. I, I respect my time too much. Yeah. 
time's a hard thing to come by. I think it's one of the most valuable things. And uh, especially the older I get, the more I value time as a currency over almost anything. Mm -hmm. And if I start to feel like something's wasting my time, I'm going to die one day. I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I got a lot to do between now and then. And if it starts feeling like it's a waste of my time, I'm out. Yeah. But I just want to re reiterate something that Zach said. I think it's really, really important when you watch movies um, and, and the visual effects are bad. I think you really have to like, and you're not going to get the behind the scenes making yeah. of every single film, right? So a movie might yeah. come out and might have really bad visual effects and you may never find an article that talks about how terrible the director was and how just like lack of vision and all that sort of stuff. But remember that they're like, the artists are always following someone's direction. Yeah. And if that direction is not solid, if that direction is not clear, then the artist can only do so much. I know a lot of people talk about the ending of a movie like Black Panther and the visual effects were really bad. You also have to remember that that ending was something that came in very late into play and was only given so much amount of time. I think that ending was done during like the reshoot phase. So when that movie comes out in February and the reshoot phase is sometime in the fall, to do something that complicated in three months is like an impossibility at, to the standard of like what Marvel would probably want their movies to be at. Mar company like Marvel, they make these movies in 12 months. Well, I think now. that's the other thing, too. You're hiring out reshoots, hiring out 12 to 20 different VFX studios, studios for yeah. independent scenes, yeah. creates a lack of yeah. continuity. I, th I always think about Thor Ragnarok and how you can go from one scene being one of the most beautiful rendered CG scenes I've mm -hmm. ever seen in cinema with the Valkyries coming in, yeah. you know, looking like a goddamn Baroque goddamn, painting. Dude. And then you have, uh, you know, you've you've got the All Father uh, mm -hmm. sitting on a cliff, yeah, and uh, and it's some of the worst comps mm -hmm. I've seen in a Marvel movie, yeah. And that was yeah. all changed, and that was all from reshoots and yeah. stuff. And it's like, so it's like that's not on the VFX team. VFX artists are able to make the most beautiful fucking shot yeah. I've ever seen in a movie, yeah. But the, if they're given no time and they have to do a reshoot mm -hmm. that you know from the trailers was originally set in the streets of New yeah. York, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're having oh, to they like wrote out all these characters and all yeah, that shit. And you're like, that's on production, yeah. you know, like not giving Absolutely. the VFX teams the time yeah. they need. It's I mean, not... we watched Ex Machina and that movie is now six years old almost. Yeah. Those visual effects still look fucking pristine. Yeah. You know, like we were looking at just, you look at the reflections of, of, um, of Alicia Vikander's character and like how the reflections play against, you know, the fully CG like body. It looks super crystal clear. And I, that, like, I think to me speaks volumes about when you take the time and you give the artist the time and you're very clear with what you want. You know, I mean, there were so many instances where we would get stuff that would change constantly, especially on Marvel movies, because those things, you're working on those things until literally like the day before oh. sometimes they go out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. I mean, so many examples of that. But yeah, it's, I think like... I've I've now seen two, and you did too, yeah. because you worked on Marvel movies. So many, and of them. I've seen two now. Yeah, early, early. cuts yeah. of Marvel movies, and what ends up making it to the theater is almost like a completely different film. I mean, I they're working on them right up to the day of release. Yeah, I told, I yeah. told, I think I've told the story to you too, Matt. But I remember when we were working on the first Avengers movie, I watched the rough cut, uh, the whole thing, and I genuinely thought the movie was gonna bomb because I was like, this movie looks real, real bad. But then you see the polish of the visual effects and the music and all that stuff. It's like, man, when you when you have the proper time to work on something and you really like, and 
the first Avengers is good, but I, I, you know, looking back at it seven years later, you're like, well, it's, it's fine. Um, it doesn't really, com- for me, it doesn't really compare to movies like Infinity War and Endgame. Um, I think that's actually kind of interesting about yeah. Marvel movies. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit with Dinesh before we went live because we don't want to say anything that will uh, get anyone in trouble. <laughs> but, you know, as, as Hector and I used to say back on Geek and Sundry, oh, you got that big dick YouTube money. You know, it's like that big dick Disney money yeah. with Marvel where you can fail upward. And totally. you, you know, yeah. like these movies are being made sometimes without lock scripts. Oh yeah. And they're just doing reshoot after reshoot. And he told us some stuff that I won't repeat because it's yeah. kind of insider knowledge about yeah. how they're doing that. And it's just like impossible to compete, you know? And he was yeah. referring it to like with bloodshot and how they're like traditional movies work in this kind of fashion yeah. and you just got to kind of live with it. But if you're Marvel, you can just keep reshooting right up yep. until a week before and just keep ironing and ironing and just working out all the wrinkles yeah. right up until. And that's why, like, like, that's why when you look at trailer, if you were ever working in a trailer house, like, and that's why sometimes you'll see trailers that's like, oh, like, that wasn't in the movie. It's because yep. these are, like, trailer houses are working with bare bones, too. Oh, like, yeah. they're putting together something way before it's even, like, you know, the film's set to launch. So it's just crazy to see, you know, how much. Changes. All the stuff changes over time. Yeah. You know? I mean, just to like kind of nail the head and nail the coffin with this like big dick money, Marvel or the Avengers literally shot a post credit scene the night of the red carpet premiere. Yeah. Because they're like, well, it's the only day we can get all these actors together. It's the only day they'll all be in Los Angeles. They literally went to a shop here in LA somewhere yep. on, on Sunset or something. I forget, forget what it was. Fairfax. Fairfax. And they shot that shawarma scene the day of the premiere. Yeah. And that's why Chris Evans is doing this because he has a beard. So they had like, you know, CG remove it and all that shit. And you're just like, yeah. And for they people, can do whatever the fuck they want. And for want. people to say like, oh, it was a simple scene. It probably wasn't that hard to add in. Get the fuck out of here. Set no way, itself, dude. You got to like, set it up. You got to block off the street. Me? You got to get all the actors together. Yeah. Even if they're just sitting in one shot. Yeah. You got your mastering. You got to get your audio mastering. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to VFX yep. out the beard and like all that stuff. And to have that done within a week and ready for release is just crazy. Fucking it's nuts. insane. I think nuts. I think people really take for granted the credits of movies because if you just look at those credits, especially yeah. these big Marvel movies, you see, you see, man, like, like just like Zach was mentioning, the different VFX studios and just names and like a huge block, huge yeah. block, huge block. And like, like Adam said, his name's not even on any of the movies he worked on. Yeah, I worked on thirty-two movies and I don't have a single fucking credit. And I'm one of like hundreds of people who probably doesn't have a credit on a movie. You know, yeah, it's insane. I mean, you look at something like Thanos, right? Thanos was all done by one studio. I believe it was Weta that did Thanos, and mm-hmm. uh, or or it might have been. It's either Weta or Digital Domain. I can't remember right now. Mm-hmm. But that's why Thanos looks so fucking good from start to end because he's done consistently by the same studio. Their job was to literally Thanos the movie. So when you have that, and you have the clear direction, like you can pull off good shit. But when you don't, and you have twenty five companies just kind of being like, oh, picking up scraps and doing stuff last minute. It's not possible to have a consistent movie. It's wild to think how movies are made now. It is. And, and, yeah. And it fe- to really, like, if it feels like Marvel movies sometimes are made by committee, it's because they are. Oh, yeah. They're just 100%, 100% made by committee. And I think that's why it's really hard for Marvel to find auteurs that work well within the system. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think uh, it I doesn't surprise me that the Russo brothers who had experience in TV were able to kind of adapt really well. Yeah. You Dude, know? uh Something about uh, – well, this is just a random fact. I went to a screening of Endgame. Uh, oh, like, that's right. Like, 
were with the Russo brothers, they Q and A after, and they talked about the editing process alone, right? And they the the way that the Russo brothers uh, direct is they don't cut. They keep rolling, which is insane. Matt, you told they me this, and I literally rolling, thought I was gonna dude. have a fucking heart attack. Yeah, so th- so they keep rolling and they give direction to the actors just to retake the scene, you know, with their with their notes, um, just so that the actors can stay in it, stay in it. But then when the the raw footage that the, that the editor and the assistant editors had to cut through uh, was I I don't it was twenty one days of footage. Is that why I told you, Adam? Yeah, it was twenty one days of just raw footage. Dude, he told me this, and I thought go- I was gonna fucking pass out. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's there's twenty three days worth of footage for these fucking Avengers movies. Yeah, that is absurd and Whoa. it doesn't like think about all like because one edit like the editors they like they're not scrubbing through all that they're, uh, they no, have, so, like, there's the assistant editors, editors. Yeah, yeah assistant editors yeah. Are, are pushing through that i shit. mean that's why you had rough cuts of those movies that were literally five fucking hours i mean i guarantee they had a couple assistant editors on set like taking notes oh, yeah. of like this oh, takes, clip yeah. at this moment time coding this going everything. in time coding every little yeah. detail but yeah. still that's that's crazy. I mean, you think about that ending in Avengers Endgame, right? That massively epic ending of God all those. Damn it, Brandon. <laughs> what did he say? Brandon Winfrey in the chat said, they're wasting film. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're not Fuck wrong. you, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon's but, in the back cutting the film I together. Yeah, <laughs> um, Somebody just handed him a, a reel of yeah. like, loose yeah. film. Let him believe. Let him believe that this 35 mil is real. Um, but no, it, I mean, you look at that end sequence in, in Endgame and, you know, this epic battle. And of course, literally, they, I think they had one day where most of those actors were on set together. Most of them. Yeah. The rest of it, it's, it is all comped together. There is face replacements. Like yeah. that lineup shot with all the characters. There's no Bendit Cumberbatch. Oh, no. Like, there's a bunch of people who are not in that shot. No, I think that's why anytime they're all together, it hits social media uh, as marketing material. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it almost never happens. It's so fucking rare. Yeah, and that's why when you keep seeing all those shots from in-game and stuff like that, it was always in that same scene, mm-hmm. despite them having tons of other scenes together in the movie. Right. That was the only time they were actually all in the same room together. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's just all comped together. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. So it's like, oh man, yeah. It's the the whole. And look, I don't expect every single person out there who likes movies to understand the process of what it takes. Because some people also just want to preserve the magic of like, well, this right. is what it is, and it was made. I don't know how. I don't really want to know, which is totally fine too. Um, but it, it sometimes gets a little dangerous out there when certain departments are like targeted for like that doesn't look good or that doesn't look good. Yeah, you know, it's like well. It went through a lot of different fucking hands before. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a loose way to trash our president every day, at least on this show. But it's like leadership, yeah. you know. And like anytime I see somebody like taking and like them trashing VFX departments is like a president trashing people that work beneath them because yeah. it's like at the end of the day, the director, you're the leader, dude. You're the leader and this is on you. And you have yeah. to be willing to lead and make those choices. That's literally what a director does. And it's also literally what a president does. Like you don't you don't get to just act like, oh, this didn't live up to our you know, what it's we wanted. Fault. It's not it's, not, it's not our fault. It's like, no, at the end of the day, that's their job. Yeah. And you know, to some extent it still works that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. public perception tries to get changed by people because they have access to Twitter and shit like that. Yeah. But within the industry, I guarantee the director of cats who were like People are going to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going to be really hard for him to get work now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the same stuff with, like, Josh Trank and stuff like that. Like, had such a promising career and then had a couple movies where he was really hard to work with on yeah. set. And people got really upset. And that's it. You yeah. know, like, yeah. 
you gotta it's the director it's that it's the the buck stops there yeah at the end of the day like you can blame vfx artists you can even say an actor did a terrible job and you don't like them but and then you're like well why did i see that one movie and the actor was amazing right any good leadership somebody's yeah. got to have the vision to see it through yeah we were watching some movie i don't remember what it was i really i really cannot remember right now but we were watching somebody's performance and fuck what was it it was just kind of it was really like mind-blowing watching this movie because i think the performance of that actor in the movie was not good oh was it guy pierce no i don't remember what it was whatever but it just goes to show yeah like when you have a good director who really understands like the script the character the actor and they have a really good working relationship and they've really like dialed in who the character is then they can really craft something impressive as opposed to someone who's just like, yeah, I mean, do it the way you think it should be done. It's like, well, that's not collaborative and creative because the actor can do one of a million different things and then you're going to just hodgepodge cut together something and then it's like, oh, this actor was terrible yeah. in this movie. You're like, well, fuck. You know, to me, it's, it's like what makes movies so magical when they work mm -hmm. because the fact that movies work at all yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. It's yeah. very easy to make a bad movie. Totally. It's yeah. so easy and the perfect example for me is when we watched Trimmers 1 and Trimmers 2 last That's week. That's what the movie that yeah. I was thinking so of. So, like, Trimmers 1 yeah. had an amazing script and a director that was confident enough to let it feel natural. Yep. And even though, like, this is a stupid movie about weird monsters, but it, works. it was so good. <laughs> yeah. And you're rewatching, you're like, man, this script is great. Yeah. Everything hits on the right tonal beats. The, the, like, the, uh, the, the moments between the characters and the relationship is great. It's quippy, it moves really yeah, well. Yeah, everything felt natural, which yeah. doing, like, impoverished people in the middle of the country natural and not yeah. making it feel so cringy and bad is yeah. really hard really to do like lathered on yeah it's so yeah. hard to do uh and make it feel relatable and natural and they did a great job and mm. then you get to the second one and immediately ooh, yeah oh different ooh. director mm. Mm. but the director was the writer of the first one yeah. so it's not you know it's like it's a mix of all these things but at the end of the day there's got to be somebody at the head of it all taking responsibility making hard decisions and seeing it through and the fact yeah. that we get any good movies at all is mm. a small miracle i know because it's so hard yeah i mean i think that Absolutely. really goes to show even for a company like marvel studios you know this like very committee factory based thing the fact that they can the fact that they can even make two movies back-to-back -back that are successful is like, shit, okay, well, someone there is, like, helping steer that ship in a good enough direction. And it's partially, if it's if it's Avengers 3 and 4, it's probably a mixture of, like, the Rousseau brothers being very much, like, aware of what they're making. It's Feige being very aware of the objectives of that movie. And it's his producing partners who are also very much aware yeah. of, like, okay, this is what we have to get done. But 21 fucking days of footage? Holy Christ. But the Marvel movies, like, I... <sighs> The thing with the Marvel movies is I start like thinking about them differently because I think it's Feige at oh, the yeah, end of the day. For but sure. also after seeing early cuts of stuff, I think it's money. Yeah. I think it's time and money. Yeah. And they don't give them much time, but they have the ability to keep reworking, keep reworking. Yeah. I I have a hard time even putting them in the same boat because it's I've a never, very unique situation. I've never heard of movies having a, a reshoot budget that's the same size of their original shoot budget. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's yeah. nuts. Yeah. yeah. So you have this ability to fail upwards. Totally. You know, just keep figuring it out until you get it just right. Indie films are never going to have that ability. And uh, <laughs> I, I would love to know the production schedule on a movie like Ex Machina. Yeah. 
It was like you know? 20 days. Oh, Good luck. You have $10 million or $16 million or something. It's like, hey, man, you just got to make it work with whatever it is. It's like, okay, you got to be really economical. And honestly, that's why I'm so excited we're doing the Criterion Collection next yeah. week. Because it's it's really fun to watch. I love Avengers. And I love Marvel's movies. Yeah. Even though they're like so different in how they're made and, and what they accomplish at the end. I can't deny that when I walk out of one, I feel fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm like, I mean, that's movie, why that, that's cinema. Why, that's why that shit from yeah. Endgame has been trending. It's yeah. like, it makes you feel good. Yeah. Even if it's manufactured, it's manufactured well. Yeah. You know, it's your Jeff Koons of what, you know, like it's manufactured yeah. well. Uh, but it's really refreshing sometimes to go back, dive into the Criterion Collection and just be like, holy fuck, some people make art. Yeah. And they yeah. find a way to connect with you on some underneath subliminal level that just sticks with you for fucking ever, mm-hmm. you know, and you can watch these movies and like, I'll never forget ever what it was like to see, you know, in game in theaters um, and, and have that feeling of like, oh, my God. But I'll also never forget for the rest of my life watching funny games for the first time mm-hmm. when the two antagonists break the fourth wall and look directly <laughs> at the camera and how I immediately felt this wave of emotion come oh. over me and just like. Oh, I did not sign up for this. Like, <laughs> what is going on? And I'll remember that moment for the rest of my life. And it's yeah. it's just, you know, there's so many different totally. ways you can go about it. And I, th- I, th- I love movies. I think that's what makes, yeah, exactly. I think that's what makes movies so special is the fact that you can have two different movies give you I, sometimes the same sort of like feeling and experience, but sometimes radically different. Yeah. Radically yeah. different. I love movies, man. Yeah, man. I love movies. They're so I, good. So I much like goes into them, guys. I appreciate the hell out of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, to me, it's just like I love art, and I, I know I've probably talked about this on the show before mm-hmm. about like why I even stopped being a painter after getting a master's in painting. And it's just I like art in general. I don't care where the art comes from. I like stories. And, and to me, art at its base value is about connecting with others in mm-hmm. some primitive way, uh, a part of what makes us human is being able to, and what makes us evolved as primates in a way, is to be able to share something at this core value that incites an emotion and a response that's almost uncontrollable Mm -hmm. and makes you connect with someone in a way that is so visceral, you know? Um, And when I was studying painting, I loved what it could do. And I loved the feeling I got from painting and sharing stories through that medium uh, and I would get really upset with my fellow s- painters and people in the grad program with me because everybody would talk about the general public in such a condescending way. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, it was mainly the Cohen brothers that helped me start reshaping my thinking. Cause I went through that phase too. We all have to validate why we're spending so much money on school. So you got to start really building yourself up in your mind. <laughs> it's just like, if you're an actor in Hollywood, you really got to make yourself believe you're the shit yeah. for all the stuff you have to go through to get yeah. where you need to be. It's part of the process. I understand that. Um, but I could never fault other people for not getting Dude. it. Cause it's like yeah. stories evolve. And the way we participate in stories evolve. And right now, I think cinema is the number one way. But one day in the future, it might be VR and Mm -hmm. video games, you know, as the ultimate way that we share these human experiences and emotions with each other. Many years ago, it was painting. But fine. So we evolved past that. And now the language that we use to tell those stories isn't really understood anymore. But why would you want it to be? You can put that shit in motion and like yeah. get an entire wave of things coming over you. It's a you. moving painting. I think it's, it's as, as how we as like 
uh, you know, humanity have shifted and like have how we keep on evolving as well. Like mm-hmm. I, I would say even in the comedy community, like improv, I, I'm, I hate it. I hate it when and there's improvisers who say, Oh, the audience, you're smarter than the audience. The audience is dumb. I'm like, that's no, that's bad. That's like, really like, bad. That's real. That's real bad. And like, you're like, you're not adapting and like, look how comedy has shaped over even the last two years. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the humor you'd see in movies isn't what you'd see nowadays. Like you have to keep changing with it and adapting with it. If you, you their audience isn't dumb, they're just like we're they're like, evolving we too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's exactly. always moving forward, and I, I yeah I hate that stuff. And I got that so much in art school of just like oh well the people they're just dumb and they don't get it. And it's like well isn't it our job as the storytellers to figure out a way to tell our story in a way that people will listen. And yeah, if, man. if you can't figure out how to tell a story in a way they're listening, it's your problem. It's not theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who wants to tell a story to an empty room? You know, like then you're just jerking yourself off at that point, which some people are fine with that. And some people, you know, that's okay. And that's what they need. It's a self-gratifying kind of thing. But, and uh, for me, I want to tell stories that find a way to um, connect and share an audience. So if I'm not willing to adapt, then I'm a bad storyteller. And I think, it's part of what always made me love once I started really getting into the Coen brothers in college was they found a way to do both. You know, they, they're one of the few filmmaking groups out there that I can watch a movie with my dad and him and I can both come out of it with super positive feelings, but for Mm -hmm. completely different reasons. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I love art house cinema. I love it, but I've been trained to understand that language and it does take training. And what I like about the Coen brothers is like you get that you get the face value of a story that is so human and will connect with you in one way, shape or form. But underneath is just layer after layer after layer. And if you want to dive, just, you know, jive in head first and go as deep as you want. But if you want to enjoy it at its face value, it's still an enjoyable movie. And they don't always hit the mark on that, but I think they hit the mark a lot. Yeah. And as I age, I find myself appreciating that kind of storytelling more, (laughs) Mm -hmm. whereas I find myself like, as much as I love Lynch, and even though tomorrow is Twin Peaks Day here at Hyper RPG, some of his stuff, I I get turned off by a little bit because it seems so Mm self-gratifying, where he's telling the audience, adapt to me instead of me adapt to the audience. I feel that with Malick sometimes, too where it's a little too self-serving mm-hmm. and uh, pretentious. Yeah. Oh, God, Von Trier especially. Von Trier, I haven't, like... I haven't made that dive yet. I, I've, I've heard very mixed things, so I've resisted. Yeah. Von Trier, like, I've come out of certain movies that I will not deny have had a reaction, mm-hmm. a very strong... Re- oh, my God, Antichrist? I cannot deny how expertly that movie is made. And, like, the sound design and the mixing and the cinematography and the acting... Whew. as a whole, just unreal. But then there's so much of it. I'm like, this is for you. Yeah. You know, like, and whatever point you're trying to make sometimes can get lost on your self-serving kind of yeah. viewpoint. Yeah. And I think like, you- no, go ahead, Matt. No, no, go. Uh, um, there's a great Silicon Valley episode where they're kind of dealing with this too, where they make yes. this great program that's uh that's uh, that they understand as as programmers but when they did like the testings uh they find that like the audience that are, or their the test updates are like i don't know what the heck this is this isn't like this is dumb and they're like what are you talking about it's perfect it's like yeah but that it's a great final example. season of silicon valley is brilliant television man <laughs> yeah, there man. were so many <laughs> things in that final season it was like oh my god this is so traumatic <laughs> <laughs> like the whole like making the perfect you know the whole like we cracked the internet we mm. figured it out yeah 
oh, we yeah. have to kill this immediately. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like so good. Yeah, and I think now, I mean, not, not, not just nowadays, but I think it's always kind of been, that's the balance, right, of like being a storyteller who can kind of, a little bit of like, oh, it's a little bit about me, but it's also for you. And like, mm-hmm. how exactly do you walk that line? And I think that's really, really tough because, yeah, there's, I think there are so many movies out there that are just like, pat me on the back. Yeah, it's tough because I want to love them. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I feel that way when I get out of a Malick movie. I love Terrence Malick. And, um, but I can recognize when I'm sitting in the theater, like Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. I watch that with a group of other people. My eyes are wide open and I'm just like, wow, cinema. And then I look over and half the people I'm with are asleep. <laughs> and having, the, you know, like, oh, I, I get it. Yeah. He made this so much for himself that I too, as a man from the South, you know, you know, like with, a, you know, relationship with my father kind of mm-hmm. thing relate so strongly, but because those emotions are so set directly in that, right. that POV, yeah. the POV is so strong as that white man from the South with, uh, with this kind of relationship with their father. If you're not in that boat, you can appreciate its beauty, but you're not going to come out of it being like, wow, I connected with that at a really human level. Yeah. You know, you're going to fall asleep (laughs) in the theater. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I'm sure we all notice that with like just our family, even, you know, there's, there's plenty of movies that I really, really love that I've tried to introduce my family to. And they're like, I don't get it. Like, what's the hype about this movie? It's yeah, kind of, that was the same. Yeah, it's like it's same. so slow and boring. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I do have a very, like, unique. Yeah, and it's not why, unique, but it's, it's just different from theirs. But it's also why Michael Bay will be able to make movies for the rest of his life. Oh, until yeah. Until he just decides sure. not to make movies for anymore. For sure. He understands something fundamentally that a lot of us don't. Yeah. And uh, I can hate him for that, but cannot deny how well his movies do in the box office. Yeah. And for that reason alone, you know, like he's found a way to connect with a very specific type of audience. Yeah, for I sure. I saw the uh, I saw the last Transformers movie. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> in theaters, and I was like this is real boring, but there's <laughs> behind me was a row of uh of like Hispanic dudes and they were losing their minds. Yeah. They're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, it was I, awesome. <laughs> I think that's like I think that's what's so interesting if you look at a franchise like The Fast and the Furious. Yep. Is there they, Oh, yeah, man. They, they kind of are that. But there is still something very much for everyone to collectively enjoy. Whereas Transformers is like, no matter how many beers I have before I walk into that theater, I still am fucking bored out of my mind. But Fast and the Furious, it's like you almost want it to just go go to space. Because at this They're point, going to go to space. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it's gotten got to that point where you're like, okay, I can be on board because there are certain things about this that I can connect with, as ridiculous as it is. Both Transformers, I'm like, this doesn't have, any, this doesn't even have heart. So what? But then you see like Bumblebee, and you're oh, like, oh, I love what, what a flip! What like a flip of a movie! I was so glad Bumblebee came out because I was like, oh, finally a Transformers movie my dad and I can <laughs> both like, you know? Because he'll always be like, you see that new Transformers movie? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I definitely did not. <laughs> No, pretty good. Megan Fox, really hot. <laughs> You're like, Dad, my God, Dad. I know. I, I think Do you see that, that shot when she's working on the bike with the shorts? <laughs> you have every conversation with your dad just ingrained in your memory, don't you? <laughs> well, well, I mean, it was like we got out of Aquaman. Uh, oh my God. And it was like, what did you think of Aquaman? Oh, pretty good. Cole Kidman's still hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that was perfect. And then wow. you're just like, these are important notes because yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, there are, you know, like he's still a person, yeah. and people 
like him watch movies. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my mom all the time, she'll always make comments about actors and stuff. And she's like, oh, man, Antonio Banderas, he's gotten old. I'm like, yeah, mom, it's not 1998 anymore. <laughs> the Mask of Zorro right. is an old movie now, kind of. <laughs> when Rise of Skywalker, I took my mom to see it. And when Lando showed up, she was like, oh, my God, he's still so cute. <laughs> 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 that's the best though that's the best yeah, dude. but yeah i don't know yeah it's it's a I've, I've found that as i get older watching movies with my family gets more and more interesting yeah oh yeah because it's like yeah. your tastes as a person like my personal tastes have changed and there's stuff that like i kind of liked when i was younger but now i like really love it because i've found new ways to relate to it but with your family it's like if they didn't like it back then a lot of the times they either appreciate it more or they like it even less it's so it's so just like interesting how like on separate paths you can be when it comes to like how you consume stuff and how you relate yeah. to things. And a lot of it is obviously like life's yeah, life speaking of too. speaking of dads, uh last night we did a oh watch along. Oh my god. We did a watch along of Evil Dead. Uh for those that didn't that weren't there to experience <laughs> oh. it, we did a watch along of Evil Dead and Andy joined us which was awesome. But about 20 minutes into the movie um, Bruce Campbell showed up in the chat room. And I don't think a lot of our audience actually realized that was Bruce Campbell yeah. for a while. But he he reminded me, I was like, I feel so bad for Andy because this is literally what it's like when my dad joins in the chat room. <laughs> like, it, it was kind of nice because it was like, this is a universal feeling. Yeah. It doesn't matter that Bruce Campbell's the star of this movie and we all love him. This is a dad right now and his yeah. son is on camera and he's in the chat room being, <laughs> literally, there was the, the tree scene oh and we were like, oh no, this actress, this whatever. Gnarly. And the first thing he says, <laughs> I remember her, we went to high school together. And then like a couple lines go on, blah, blah, blah. I lost my virginity to her. I'm like, a <laughs> uh, couple lines go by. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh my god. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> and in that moment, I was just like, this is a universal thing. Dad's joining the Twitch chat and saying things. You're just like, okay, uh, all right, this is where we are. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. Out of all these moments of like, oh, this was an abandoned thing. It was owner, 16 millimeter, da 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 He was he, answering a lot of questions. It was, was really cool. A lot of questions. Then all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, you know, lost my virginity to her. And we're like, oh, my God. Okay. All right. Great, great, great. Yeah, and he technically left the stream by saying goodbye, goodnight, everybody. I'm going to go have sex with Ellen. <laughs> I missed that. Oh, you missed that? So that's what that's, I missed. That's what he no said. Way. That's, that's how he no said goodbye. Way. That's how he said goodbye. Wow. Everyone in the chat room and, and you and Andy were laughing. Everyone was laughing. I was like, what did I miss? And that was it, apparently. Yeah. That's fucking um, gold. Andy is definitely his kid, man. I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I see so many oh. parallels. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, it was, it so, was cool. And tonight we're doing a watch along of John Carter of Mars. With Hector. And I oh, told Hector. Nice. I told him this to bring his This is all, but... of course, if I don't burn the studio down between now and then. I'm really thinking about it. I, I'm like, I told you guys this was going to be the week. I told you yesterday. This will be the baby. week. This will be the week where I finally lose my mind. Damn. We're there. And it's here. Dude, I'm excited. I, I actually really like John Carter. I thought it was great, a great sci-fi. but I thought so, I thought too. The, the marketing campaign for it was atrocious, Oh, though. it was. I think it, it was like it lived and died by its ad campaign. Totally. Uh, it yeah. didn't tell you anything about the movie. It was just like, John Carter of Earth. Well, not, like, even, not even the fucking title tells you. It was called John Carter no. of Mars, and they changed it to John Carter, and I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, that's right. Who, who the fuck wants yeah. to watch a movie called John Carter if they have no context as to what this yeah. movie's about? Oh, yeah. brutal! Really that brutal. Was the worst. It was. It took a hit. Like one of the biggest deficits, isn't it? Yeah, and I think like for Andrew Stanton, it was like for his career, at least for live action, it, like did, it did nothing for him. 
Yeah. You know, which like sucks if you're trying to transition from you know animation to live action and you have a movie that's like literally you know dead on arrival. Then yeah. fuck that. Which sucks though because I, I also did enjoy that movie. I also you know I worked on it so a little bit of bias I guess, but I had a fun time working on it. and I thought it was I thought it really actually was a very entertaining film. But we'll see tonight. Maybe after six or seven years of watching, I'll be like, ah, it's not that good. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll um, see. I want to I want to thank everybody for sticking around despite us starting an hour late. We're doing the best we can. We're running on fumes at this point. Uh, it's no secret, and. Uh, it is really important to me, though, that we go live. Uh, you know, however cooped up I'm feeling, I imagine you all are feeling it, too. And, you know, I was talking to Adam yesterday, and I was like, man, we should probably talk about that. Where it's like, I noticed, like, if we're feeling it, I'm sure all of you are feeling it, too. We're very fortunate and lucky that we get to work every day and keep we we have a very clear goal every day from start to finish and yeah. it's hard and it's tedious. Um, but I'd rather be doing that than nothing. And so I'm very yeah. thankful that we have that. And if I'm starting to feel a little like, okay, like I'm ready for this to be over. I'm ready for life to continue as normal. I'm sure all of you are feeling it too. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I, go ahead. I, I, I literally woke like, it's been like at least a couple times a week where if I don't plan a day or whatever, I'll, I like I woke up this morning feeling like mentally awful. Like yeah. just really lethargic and really gross. And like, you know, like we, we have time to like play games and stuff, but like I need to be doing something for myself, you know. Um mm-hmm. I, I know everyone's feeling it, dude. I, I feel like really, really cooped up. And I, as many walks as I go on, it's not enough. Now it's like yeah. my now my neighborhood's starting to feel small. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Yeah. You're like, God damn, this, this street corner, I see it every five minutes. I feel like I need to find something new. But it's like, where yeah. do you go? What do you do? Like, you, you're, so, you're so limited with what you can do right now. You know, yeah. so I know it's really tough. Uh, also, thanks for cosplaying as uh, Jack Torrance. I'm officially fucking terrified now. Don't give this man an axe. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm ready. That, it's going to come through, bust through that uh, the hyper logo. Here's Zachy. <laughs> Um, but for real, thank you all so much for sticking around and, and sticking with us. Uh, I hope this is still valuable to you going into week four. Um, you know, there, it's hard for us because we are working on a lot behind the scenes too, uh, to make sure that the company is okay when all this kind of like is done. Uh, you know, we have stuff in the works for the future that you may see, you may not, you know, but we, we, we're always working on that stuff, but I hope that what we're doing every day is valuable to you and you're enjoying it. And I really, really appreciate the support before we go upstairs. I wanted to like, uh, shout out some of the, uh, stuff that came in. Um, so, uh, we had, uh, Ukami Luna, uh, tipped and said love from the thumpers hashtag hidden fortress. Uber Baldi said, Uber Baldi said, you got this Zach. We believe in you. Um, that's probably the nicest thing Uber Baldi has ever said. Um, peak one said, Hey Zach, the next case of Xanax is on me. Uh, thank you. And uh, DJ Writing Friend said, awkward, but it's okay. Go Team Hyper. Uh, the Finstigator says, looks pretty surreal. Let's watch eight and a half. Uh, Fegs252 for Dogtooth. So if it's a tie, we watch all three, right? <laughs> and then For Whom the Bell Tolls said, happy Tuesday. Thanks for all of you keeping us sane. Hashtag Dogtooth. Jay Pistol said, uh, three people isolated to their home. If you stay inside, you are protected. Is this an educational film? Hashtag Dogtooth. 
And then Uberbaldi tipped again for eight and a half. And then uh, we had a couple come in last night that really like pushed us to our goal that I didn't get a chance last night to shout out. Um, but it was like Malagar really, really pushed for Fallen Angels last night. Um, but I can't tell if it was more of a push for Fallen Angels or to get you in clown makeup, Adam. Um, Sick. Because the tips were like, <laughs> I hate clown. And then the next one was, come on, chat. Let's get Adam clowned uh, out. And then Uber Baldi tip for Chunky Express and DJ Riding Fiend uh, for Chunky Express. And then uh, Malagar again for, for uh, Fallen Angels. Thank you, Malagar, last night, pushing us to get our goal. You, you really helped out. Thank All you. of you are helping out so much uh, and helping us keep doing what we're doing here. And Aileen just tipped, said, Dogtooth looks like a great choice for a watch along. But let me just give some love to eight and a half. So that's, that's great. great. But thank you all so, so much for your yeah, support. You it means the world out of us. This week, uh, every 500 we raise, somebody's getting added to Malika's secret club. And you know that she's going to probably go all out on that. Uh, and she's really excited to have you all <laughs> hang out there in her private club. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. Like, this week's a hard one. You know, I think we've been really kind of open with each other here in the studio of how we're feeling. And I've, it's been no secret that we're like, man, this week's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. It really feels like this week you're like, whew, it's like uh, it's starting to push down on you and really start. I think for us, it's like exhaustion mixed with, you know, like. Frustration. Yeah. And stress. Th- yeah. And it's usually yeah. more just like to what's going on in the outside world. And it, honestly, it is a little bit of just being like, it's literally just being locked up in the house. Yeah. Like, I left for the first fucking time on Saturday <laughs> for the first time in four weeks. And I was like, whoa, this world is now different. There's nobody outside. It's weird. I don't even know how to, like, react to it. Yeah. So it's, it's really, yeah. It, yeah, like, this is a really crazy time, really weird time. And as far as we know, it's going to be until the end of the month. And after that, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? Who knows? knows? And, you know, we're going to do our best to roll with it uh, and keep trying to adapting. You know, I know that we're working so hard, it's hard for us to even stop and think about, like, hey, what's next? Yeah. Because just getting live every day is, it's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, It's a lot of work. It's like, no matter what time we wake up, we still have that three, four, five hours to get things ready. And you're like, fuck, man, how much earlier do I need to wake up? You're going to be up at four in the morning working on stuff. And it's like, dude, that's also not realistic to be up for like 18 hours. Yeah, that like, was yesterday. You guys are doing great. I, you know, I, it's exa- I know you guys are burnt out as heck. I, I can only imagine. Uh, I just know that, you know, you're giving us uh, people a community and something to look forward to every day. It's like, you know, I was every time I see there's a new like John Oliver, I'm like, oh, my God, something new. So like, I know, yeah. dude, um, those John Olivers are a lifesaver right now. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, they're so good. So, like, so keep keep trucking on, guys. You're you're doing a really really awesome job, and it looks great, and it sounds great. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks. Kesbox uh. <laughs> uh, just tipped. Uh, I love you guys. You're the best. Thank you for everything, Zach. I hope your knee heals soon. It'll be fine. I I dislocate something at least once a day. It's not. It's common with my condition. It's a very common thing. Uh, like Malika said, it's kind of a superpower because I can bounce back from it where normal people would probably be like. Oh, God. So confirm, Zach is uh, <laughs> Mr. Fantastic. Sure, Great. sure. That's how you can look at it. As, yeah. Us EDS patients, we're all Mr. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> You're Kaido, dude. You can't, you can't die. Uh, Does anyone read One Piece? Kaido? Anyways. No. All right. Uh, well, coming up, <laughs> coming up next, Malik is going to be making some Thai barbecue chicken for you. Sick. So excited! I haven't eaten yet today. No, no one, no one in this house eats breakfast. It's very rare. Even even though I woke up like two hours earlier than I normally do, I still didn't make anything. I'm like, okay, well, pop tarts it is, boys. 
<laughs> oh, I forgot we had Pop-Tarts up there. That's going to yeah. be lunch until yeah. Malika gets done cooking. All right, so stick around. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. Thanks for having me. And love thank, you, Matt. Thank, thank you, love you guys. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for waiting for us and for uh, for the people watching on YouTube. I mean, whatever. Sorry. <laughs> we're trying our best. <laughs> we're trying You'll our best. You'll never know anyway. Yeah, we're trying our best. Um, but um, he's switching it up to Malika. Bye. Bye.